Economy is Conrad, Bureaucrat Level Grade 36, and you are listening to the Candair Podcast. Now stop it and get back to work! Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, the Chicago-based filmmaker and screenwriter, we welcome Richard Bergen to the show. Richard, thank you so much for being here with us today, sir. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for having me. We're going to have a great time tonight. First in our retro roundtable, very inspired by Richard's uh, a movie we're going to be talking about later called Fang. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite, maybe least favorite, mutations from throughout pop culture. This is going to be fun. Who doesn't love abominations, right? And then we're going to be turning <laughs> our attention. That's what that is all about. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> then perfect topic, right? And then we're going to turn our full attention over to Richard to talk more about his career in Fang. But before we do that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CanDarePod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. If you like what we're doing, want to show some support, patreon.com forward slash candarepod or just head to our website uh, candarepodcast.com click the link for five dollars a month get access to the candare patreon pod we also have a new merch store which we were just talking about before we got on here kind of enjoying the new merch fellas liking these shirts yeah they're awesome yeah yeah so we got links up there for that gentlemen what am i forgetting so if you're not doing anything tuesday nights hop on and check jack and i play jackbox on our facebook page join in win some prizes uh, and if you're looking for professional representation, check out our boy, Steve Joyner. Jeremy will throw that uh, number out at the end of the episode because I don't remember it off the top of my head. So I got it right in front of me, Randy. That's 816-605-4561. If you're in need of professional representation, just like Randy said, of any kind, again, Steve Joyner, 816-605-4561. What am I forgetting? I think we got it all. I think that's it. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. <laughs> All right, our favorite mutations, abominations. Where do we begin? Jack, kick us off. I have to say one of my favorite mutations was Nightcrawler being able to teleport. And along with it... The smell of sulfur, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just because of his demonic look, but it just fits so well just for his character, I guess. What was the explanation as to why there was that sulfur and brimstone smell every time he vamped? I mean, didn't wasn't he like he wasn't like jumping through hell to get where he needed to be? Was he like what was I don't know? That's I almost want to say it was something like that, but I don't I don't really think that's what it was. So sulfur is a very, you know, powerful smell like i like i recently you know i recently went on vacation to colorado and i went to this hot spring and you know the hot spring smells a little bit like sulfur because that's where the water is coming from so i think probably the reason why they have the sulfur smell is that you know the writer was like you know i'm sitting in the hot spring going I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. So they get this idea. I'm mean, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inspiration struck <laughs> at the hot spring. <laughs> Actually, I think I might have heard somewhere in the comics. It wasn't Nightcrawler's parents. Um, 
Oh crap! The uh, uh, Mystique and then Azrael or whatever the uh, Azrael, yeah, or Azazel or something like that. That was yeah, the in demonic the, dude. Yeah, oh, Futures yeah. Past. That was supposed to be his dad, I believe. But that was yeah, just like more of a movie thing. They weren't doing that as like a comic canon thing, were they? Or was it? I don't think so. No, I didn't know. I just thought maybe that explained the, the brimstone fire brimstone hmm. demon. I felt like I read an explanation to that somewhere. I just can't remember. I'll have to look it up. Me too. I think it was off of the, the figure that I had way back in the day, the Toy Biz Nightcrawler. <laughs> toy that biz I had. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I, I, I know a good Toy Biz figure. The stat card on the back gave us a little <laughs> quick rundown. All right. Very good. Very good. Richard, what about you? Favorite mutation? My favorite uh, mutation, I always... Now that I, you know, I've always, you know, thought about, you know, like if I could have some kind of uh, superpower, what would it be? And I guess, you know, immortality is not really in the running because that's that's not a mutation. That's just, that's just a good thing. <laughs> so I think probably what I would choose is I would choose the power of invisibility because mm. you know I'm I'm, I'm curious to kind of sneak in and out of forbidden <laughs> girls locker rooms and what's not <laughs> that, that did me in high school yeah i'm a little bit pissed that a little bit pissed <laughs> oh we're never past that no I was almost that would say be with... fun though it would be scary though i mean because if yeah. just to know there could be someone lurking at any given moment anywhere i'm i just have I to know, live in... yeah. No, oh, yeah, I mean, the Invisible Man. I mean, that is, that yeah. is some scary shit. <laughs> I feel like think of Kevin best... Bacon being invisible, but he <laughs> kind of went crazy because he, after a while, was just messing with his mind because he couldn't be seen anywhere. And uh, what, Hollow Man? Hollow Man. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Bacon just kind of go crazy. So this is kind of in his contract as an actor. Yeah, those kind of <laughs> weird... <laughs> moments that was a fun movie hollow man was i feel like though if i if i were ever fearful of an invisible person hunting me down i would get the longest shag carpet all through my house i could because you'd be able to see, those so see the footprints. footprints a mile away well i would be a nice invisible man i wouldn't i would i would just like you know like want to like eavesdrop on people like hear some juicy Secrets I wouldn't want to hurt anyone. Uh, hey. I used to think I wouldn't mind reading Powers, then I realized, you know what? I don't want to know what everybody is thinking about me. Oh, no way. That, See, would that's be, that would be terrible, actually. Power I could never have. Because, like you said, like just knowing what people are actually thinking about you and knowing what's actually going on in this world, like I would, I would crumble within 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if somebody read my mind, I wouldn't really know how to explain to them what's going on uh, there. <laughs> so you're on your like, own in there. No, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> hey, going back to the invisibility or uh, fear of invisible men, uh, Jack, help me out. Because in the 70s, when the uh, shag carpets were big and the, uh, the beads were hanging from the doors, I mean, was that just a, a general fear or what? 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 The... <laughs> He's saying the, the styles of shag carpet and like, like uh, beaded doors, like in the seventies, uh, were like premeditated uh, things to look out. Oh, for I got, I got what you're saying. Yeah, is that why it was such a popular thing? Because people were afraid of invisible men. 
I was trying to be funny and crash and burn horribly. Yeah. So. The best <laughs> jokes are the ones that need explained. Joke. For yeah. sure. <laughs> I guess you're at some uh you're taking like a lot of drugs in the seventies, maybe you could start to think that you're invisible and maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> Just a bunch of bad acid trips. Reality check. <laughs> Just some burnout running into the walls. I'm invisible, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think uh, let me go next uh, on this one. This mutation uh, <laughs> is another reason for me to touch in on the Ninja Turtles, but I'm not going to just talk about the turtles because how many times can we do that? A, a, a mutation from the second movie, the Super Shredder, when he mutated into the Great Big yeah. Shredder. I mean, as cool as he was, I it always bugged me. Like, why did his helmet and shoulder pads grow too? Like. They became extensive. Like, why wouldn't he just like grow like and pop of out of them? Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. You'd think he would just got more beefy instead of like his whole suit getting becoming part of him. I guess. Yeah, it'd have been cool to see like the same helmet on his head, but just like you can tell, it's like fucking stressed and like it's about. Or it didn't stretch, so it was just this tight helmet on the top of his head. And see, that would, I mean, that would almost work because that's almost what they did with the with the mutated helmet. Mm-hmm. It, it was frustrating because they did the same thing in the uh, in the first Nickelodeon cartoon series when he became Super Shredder, and he was just over the top. Like he, his heart for some reason was like exposed, kind of like on the outside of his skin on his chest, and his helmet was so. He gnarly. was gnarly in that one, yeah. That's like a, just a mutation gone bad, pretty much. Oh, too yeah. much, not enough of knowing what was going to happen. That was such a good series, though, because after he was the Super Shredder, he had killed and st- he'd stabbed Splinter through, killed him, and the Turtles were like, all right, enough shit. They all got rid of their colors. They all <laughs> dressed in black, and they all went out that night like he dies tonight. It was so freaking cool. It was a good episode. But, yeah, I don't know why we have to have the armor mutate, too. Well, I think the armor has to be able to contain the mutated body, so I guess the whoever manufactured it thought ahead... i thought ahead maybe just not practically like it just like i i I don't know that's some crazy mutation or crazy mutagen that can mutate the clothing right along with you i would have invisible armor too i don't want to just see my armor because then that defeats the purpose of being invisible you know be like (laughs) why is this you know suit of armor floating around It'd be like the uh, like the jousting knight armor that you see like s- propped up in the corner at like medieval times or something. You know, there's no one there, no, but it's still thing. standing up like a person would be in there. That's but. when people walk over to check to see if they're. I thought I thought I saw something move. I think there's someone in there, and they lift the visor, and they're like, "Oh, there isn't anybody in there." But really, you are in there. Really, you're, just you're in there, aren't you? lifting my visor. Unless That's someone decided to reach their hand in through there and they just kept like poking you in your invisible eyes and nose like, ow, ow, I know, that, 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 would, that would suck. I'm touching something, but I don't see it. Ew. <laughs> All right, let's move over to Randy, your pick, sir. All right, so I'm going to throw out a uh, toy uh, for my first pick. Uh, Jurassic Park toys. You guys remember... Uh, the, you had the line for the first series or for the first movie and then the second movie. And then right about the late nineties, they did a, uh, a third set called like chaos theory. 
and it was basically like all the regular dinosaurs but they mutated so like one of them had like the t-rex was like big and multicolored, and like the raptor had fur and uh wings i believe too but that does uh, sound kind of familiar actually yeah the whole like premise on the back of the package was that they they're the DNA mutated or whatever, and it caused the new dinosaurs to look different. So it was it a, sh- a shameless Kenner crash cash grab. But that's what I was just going cool. to ask. I thought Lost World was the last uh, Kenner Jurassic Park line, so that was indeed a Kenner product as well. Yes. Wow. Damn. I think it was just their way of extending the brand and trying to get a little bit more out of it after the second movie. <laughs> we <laughs> call this line dollars. Jurassic Park: The Search for More Money. <laughs> oh, kids are always going to want those uh, dinos, especially if they're like mutant. Oh yeah, it's oh, like yeah. two dollar signs over the eyes, <laughs> full of uh, profit. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, especially like when we were kids, like it didn't matter what you had on the shelf. You put the word mutant in front of it or behind it or somewhere on the package, like all drooling, like I gotta have it. It could be the same exact toy, just a different color palette, which I think a lot of this was. And you'd be like, oh, <laughs> mutant, ninja, or dinosaur when you're sold. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I, uh, I always have to peruse the toy aisle. And you guys know how big of a Jurassic Park fan I am. And I just, I was walking past the toy aisles the other day while grocery shopping. And I heard a T-Rex roar come from the action figure <laughs> aisle. <laughs> And I was like, I got to get the hell over there. And they had this like $40 animatronic uh, T-Rex and he sounded awesome. Uh, his mouth and everything moves, but still, I still want that OG uh, T-Rex. T-Rex. But uh, I, I was so in the dinosaur mood from all of it. I had to buy a little dinosaur. So I got one of these, these little winged uh, that looks, bastards. Oh, that's cute. Oh, nice. I thought yeah. it was cool. Yeah. Is that from the... The newer Jurassic Park movie where they had like the flying T-Rex things. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, it was just Jurassic World, very much like you were saying. Hang on, I might even have the box here. It was like a special, special line. The Attack Pack, they call them. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> and they all have these little, um, little codes. I'll hold it up to the camera. You see on the inside of his wing that like little weird looking code. So he looks oh yeah. Like that, and then he does something. Yeah, you can, well, you can get it. There's an app you can get, and you scan that code, and then you can play this dinosaur in whatever game they offer. But um, anyway, I just, I got me a new dinosaur, and I was excited. I just wanted to show you, boys. So, all right, we, that brings us back to Jack. Mine's hard to uh, say mutation-wise without thinking of Aquaman, but being able to breathe underwater having gills, and I think of the deep from the show uh, The Boys. Well, that would be one of the, the cooler mutations, just being able to not have to come up for air, I guess. Maybe it's because I grew up in around water all the time in California. I was part fish when I was a kid. <laughs> the deep, though, didn't he have, like, gills? Like, would you want to live with gills? Maybe not if they were the way his are, because no. his are, like, right on his abdomen. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like he- if they were on my neck or something, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a little <laughs> bit different. Or if somehow, <laughs> once you went in water, like mermaids get legs when they come out it just is a mutation that happens that you like it changes to now that's like, just I don't too know. good to be true let's not get ridiculous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that feels like i could turn on and off like there's like a little switch and then you know swim around down there yeah. they think you know it's like if you're a, you're like at the beach you know there are all these 
guys, you know, surfing or playing volleyball. And then it's like, you want to show off and it's like, Oh, what could you do? It's like, Oh yeah, well watch me. And then I turn on my, uh, my gills. gills and stay underwater <laughs> for like 10 minutes. <laughs> It's like, hey, well, guys, who wants to out. have a breath-holding contest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about the uh, Family Guy episode. I think it's Family Guy where Lois is uh, envisioning like a merman, but it, the top half is the fish and the bottom half is a regular legs. person. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. And Lois is like, oh, and the, the fish man's like, what? How would it work the other way? <laughs> It's true. How would it? <laughs> I remember the deep in the boys. Uh, he was what was what was it? Jack. He was seeing some girl or something out in the country. Like he got moved he, like out into like the. He got like quarantined yeah. out like freaking Ohio somewhere. I yeah, Sandusky. Right? They sent him. Yeah, Sandusky. <laughs> That's right. that was it. Uh, so and he funny. picks up the chick at a supermarket, right? Yeah, that yeah, it? and they go home with him, and then she ends up. Oh, that whole scene was disgusting. Yeah, was, they were having sex, and she's driving her fingers into his gills as like a pain pleasure kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, is that really what you want, Jack? No, that's why I said I don't know if I don't want those ones. I mean, maybe I'd like to try it, like you know, once you know, doing the uh, gill sex thing, you know, just just for the experience, <laughs> and then back <laughs> off. <laughs> They're, they're neck gills, I would say. So, yeah. I don't know how or that would just work. be like Aquaman, where he can, he just does. Okay, <laughs> let's not talk. get ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, moving on, let's go back around to Richard. Favorite mutation? Well, my uh, favorite mutation is probably the one I've written about in Fang, which is a man turning into a rat. It doesn't really give you any special powers except for feeling like you're going insane. But I had a lot of fun conceiving of this man-rat mutation and kind of visualizing what it would look like and then seeing it, you know, and then we made... Basically, the way it works is that, like, every time you scratch off a chunk of your skin... Then there's rat fur underneath, so it's like you're like you're so it's like you're a rat inside, but you're wearing a human suit. Ugh. This human <laughs> suit has to come off, and then there's your inner rat right there. I have to tell you, Richard, I'm secretly hoping Fang is very much like a Prometheus kind of thing, where we don't know it's a Master Splinter origin story until we're watching it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just the turtle nerd in me being hopeful. But either way, I'm sure it's going to be a freaking awesome film. Oh, thank you. Very good. We will definitely focus uh, more on that a little bit later. I cannot wait to hear more about it, especially the inspiration. But again... um, Thank you. Uh, who's next? Uh, was it you? Are I think me? Oh wow! Okay, um, one of my favorite mutations, I would say, uh, from the Fantastic Four, Ben Grimm, and his character was always the most uh, relatable. You know, everyone else had flashy powers, like "Look at what I can do" kind of stuff, but he just—it was a <laughs> curse from him from day one. He never wanted it. Just a very, uh, very tragic kind of story. But, you know, he uh, came to terms with it. But I don't know. That mutation always stuck out with me in the comic world. Like, that poor dude. Like, how how could you... I, I, can, I can understand why, you know, I mean, it's... 
you know, I mean, sometimes you just want to be a regular guy. You know, you don't want to have all this responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's like with great power comes great responsibility. Well, what if I don't want great responsibility? What right. then? Or skin made <laughs> of rock. For that matter. I love I mean, how they did in the first Fantastic Four movie, how he was like, what? He was holding a beer bottle and he, he had to really learn how to hold it because he would just break everything easily. Yeah, he went into like a, a, a bar and he sat down on a stool and it crumbled beneath him. He picked up his yeah. beer and the glass shattered in his hand. He's like, oh, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> but, um, I always enjoyed him a lot, quite a bit. He was my favorite of the Fantastic Four just for that, just for that reason, I guess. Oh, yeah. I loved in the the first movie too how when they when they were trying to diagnose what was wrong with him they had like x-rays and even his insides were rock which I don't understand how that part really worked but like a pulsating rock heart Hey if you're going to be able to roll with a rock mouth moving I and mean, a rock heart shouldn't be that far Yeah away. you see just like the veins go through the uh, rock and then pump blood through everything else just pumping sand through his bl- veins instead of blood <laughs> He's just a walking uh, sand blaster on the inside. There, like horrible diseases out there that people actually acquire that can, uh, you know, I mean, obviously not make turn them to rock, but their skin will get big uh, deformities that turn really hard. And, uh, you know, it can, like calloused, I think I can't remember what it's called, but it, it can be really, really devastating on a person. So I just imagine, you know, uh, Ben Grimm being the most extreme case of something. like that. You yeah, know I mean? yeah, really. But what I just thought of would be like, you know, kidney stones. That's not quite the same. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, yeah. <laughs> be like kidney boulders for Ben Grimm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. How would you take care of a kidney stone if you were Ben Grimm's doctor? Holy, get a jackhammer. Imagine the sewer problems you'd have if they even went to the bathroom. Well, you think he shits rocks too? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maybe. Interesting. Clink. Well, Ben's in the toilet again. Clink. You wouldn't be able to use the toilet if you're actually shitting rocks, though. <laughs> a nice rock garden out in the backyard. Strong, gigantic toilet. There's just a big sign right next to the road that always says "free rocks." <laughs> you can't get rid of them fast enough. Where's Ben at? Oh, he's in the rock garden. Oh, doing the bathroom. Dudes, huh? I gotta make again. Shit, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh well that brings us back around to randy so i'm looking over my list and i'm really not trying to play to jeremy's strengths but i, I totally kind of did uh unbeknownst but with halloween around the corner i was watching the fly the other day with <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> jeff goldblum baby and what a crazy especially seeing the first fly where the change was pretty much automatic in the original movie with the Jeff Goldblum remake where he comes out totally fine and then slowly like, like very the gradual yeah the skin starts fe- feeling off and it's just uh yeah what a way to freaking go man <laughs> and when she uh comes in the room and sees him like crawling on the ceiling and shit for the first time like that <laughs> I need to watch that movie again it's been so long but it's so good love that yeah movie. I have to say yeah uh... Like, I think with The Fly, you know, they could really, like, the relationship between them, I think, is really what sells the movie, because it's really like a tragedy mm-hmm. that he's transforming into a fly, because you want, you want them to work together as a couple, but then it's not going to work because he's turning into a fly, so that makes it very intense and tragic and powerful. Yeah. I'll have to watch it tonight now, damn it. <laughs> <you> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 
must be sorry. It's Jeff Goldblum. What's that, Randy? (laughs) I said, quick little fun fact I didn't realize. I knew the original had a sequel, but I always thought the Jeff Goldblum version was a standalone, but apparently they did make a sequel to that that was, I think, like a straight-to-DVD. It did not have Goldblum in it, but... Starring um, Mervyn Goldblum. Yeah, well, that would be... (laughs) Have him in the sequel after what happens... Yeah, right. The uh, the trailer I was look, watching, though, it does look like they have parts of the original set from the Goldblum movie. Oh, so, right. like all the like all the uh, science equipment and stuff, probably. Yeah, yeah, and that, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. You'd have you couldn't bring Jeff Goldblum back. I mean, he just. Well, I'm still a fly. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing's changed. <laughs> they had to do a, a prequel before he gets any kind of fly like tendencies. That's the only way they could bring him back. <laughs> Then it wouldn't be the fly, so it's or or like how they do like on all the uh, Back to the Future movies where like the ancestors look exactly like the uh, oh <laughs> the I know modern day characters. <laughs> you know, it was one thing to roll with that for like in the future, but when they went back to the old west and like Mad Dog <laughs> Tannen looks exactly like Biff, like hundred years right. later, like come on. <laughs> but still, you gotta love them, don't you? You gotta love them. All right. Well, uh, does anybody else have a quick mention before we move on? I got one for probably one of the worst ones. That's Even fair. though it is kind of cool, but it'd be just a pain in the butt to have. Would be uh, pyrokinesis, kind of like Human Torch type thing. Oh, okay. yeah. Because like there's there's a new Netflix movie called uh, oh what was it? Something Powers. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. It's Fire. got a uh, Jamie Foxx is in it too. It's like Power Company or something like that. I don't. Mm. I can't think of what it's called, but they actually showed one guy that he, 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 you have to take this pill and it unlocks whatever power in your body. So he takes this pill because he knows he burns and he's already horribly scarred from burns, but his whole body ignites. And while there's this big chase scene, everything he's touching is melting and catching on fire. They never really kind of go into that in like any comic books or anything like that. Like Johnny Storm would just be burning everything that he touched or getting close to no matter what yeah i think they made it like when he's not in his flame on mode you know he's just very much a normal person not yeah you know melting shit but yeah i I mean i know what you kind of mean like maybe he like uh is having a dream says flame on and burns the whole house down yeah (laughs) even if he's like just for a photo op and he flamed up all of a sudden you got burned footprints all over the ground Like I, I would just get sick of all the smoke detectors going off, like eh. <laughs> yeah, really. sprinkler systems in every building going off. <laughs> it's like really, guy, guy, this guy again. Yeah, you, I feel like your house would have to almost be like one of those like walk-in kilns, like you know what I mean, like that you do pottery and stuff in that just way. Ceramic walls. Yeah, that way, if you do bust into flames, like oh well. Maybe I lost a little flat screen TV in my bed here, but uh, at least the the main structure is good, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you to heat it up a bunch of times. <laughs> You'd never have to have a stove if you were him. You'd always heat no. It. You just hold it, hold it, and heat it up on its own. S'mores anytime you want. Think of that. <laughs> Think of that. All right, let's just move this right along and start talking with Richard more about uh, his career as a writer and director and again fang richard thank you so much for being here again with us and i'm just uh, very uh curious to know where your journey into film production begins uh, well uh, well you're very welcome jeremy and uh well i think for me the question is not so much why am i a filmmaker it's more like i can't not be a filmmaker 
I kind of feel like I just have this relentless compulsion. I understand that. To, to do this. And I've always felt like, you know, if I don't do it, like the longer I go without doing it, the more kind of negative feelings of, you know, regret or frustration I have. So I really, so it's, you know, and, and I wish, I've always said I wish I was as passionate about being an electrician as I was about making movies. Uh. Because that's a much more stable way to make a living. But this is my passion, and I've stuck with it, and now I am almost done with the post-production of Thing. You, man, you said something that's so dead on. Just, um, you know, you wish you could apply the the love and the dedication and the time that you want to give these kind of projects to like you said being an electrician i have that thought kind of all the time just last week oh, like, yeah. man i wish i could apply the kind of stuff i'm doing for the show already just into my everyday i'd be so successful but no i'll, I'll just sit here in the mediocre just working on our passion projects <laughs> but uh it's funny though yeah it, because if you went on and never did it never dabbled never tried to pursue your dream you just live with constant regret that would just get bigger and bigger and bigger know, over yeah. the years yeah. like as, as difficult as it is to live as a filmmaker i know it would be a million times worse to live not being a filmmaker so there you go sure yeah i understand totally man so about this movie fang you mentioned it a little bit earlier that uh, it's a, it's in a nutshell, it's a man who's kind of turning into a rat. And I don't want to say too much. This is in post-production, though, as you also said. Not only are you the writer or the director, you're also going to be in it. Can you tell the listeners first uh, just a little bit about the film and then uh, I guess just uh, the inspiration for the film? Where did you get the idea about, man, I want to do a movie about a man mutating into a rat? Well, the uh, well, I guess they gave a little bit more detail about the premise. Fang specifically tells the story of a young janitor named Billy Cochran. He has undiagnosed autism, and he lives with his mother in kind of this gritty neighborhood in Chicago. So that is the backdrop against which the transformation occurs. So one night, Billy wakes up in the middle of the night. And, you know, he has to use the bathroom. And then the rat, and he finds the rat in his bathtub, and then the rat jumps out and bites him. That is where it all begins. So what really what really inspired the movie for me is that it was inspired by different life experiences I've had, especially my relationship with my dad. It inspired Billy's relationship with his mother in the movie. So there was there was some of the dialogue was taken from literal conversations. Oh, wow. I've had, yeah. It's so it's like very, very, slide. very personal pro uh, project. You know, it's not all based totally in fiction. I mean, this is a oh, absolutely. of your real life. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Well, I've never, I've never thought I was uh, turning into a rat. Uh, not yet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Give me time. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. Uh, you, you know, just uh, taking pieces of the day-to-day and uh, putting them in your fiction. I mean, that's what makes good fiction, I think. You know, the relatability. Real quick, I, I got a quick question, if you don't mind, Richard. Yeah, sure. Um, I saw a couple production stills of you uh, getting your makeup done as the rat character. And I'm just curious, like, as a writer, when they're doing your makeup for for that part of the, your character, 
is that what you envisioned or did you kind of leave it up to the makeup artist to kind of have their creative freedom with it or how did that play out? Well, to be honest, I don't really know much about how like special effects makeup works. I have kind of like an abstract vision in my head uh-huh. what the Rat King will look like. And then once I see something that looks good, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, let's go with it. When you get that's that awesome. surge of excitement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You just know when it's working. That is Absolutely. So cool. I don't know what I want till I get it. That's how it goes all the time. Story of the life uh, of life sometimes, isn't it? So how uh, long does the makeup process take then? Well, I, I only, well, I, I was only the rat king in one of the scenes that we had. And then we had two other scenes where we had a different rat king. I see. But I remember it didn't, it didn't take too long. It felt like it took a little while because... You know, when you're having the, this paintbrush like right up by your eyes, it can be a little, <laughs> it can be a little dicey, but it it didn't it didn't take too long compared to like the amount of time it takes to set up a shot in general. Sure. Now you mentioned this is in uh, pre-production, and I imagine uh, post-production with, or post-production. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, post-production. Okay. Now, um, when can we expect to see this? And when it comes out, where can we find it? Or do you know yet? Well, the, my current plan is to have the online premiere for the movie in November. And then after that, we're going to get a distribution deal. So it'll be released much more widely. My you know, my goal would be to get it on Netflix or Amazon Prime, be the top, you know, mm-hmm. then it would go to most people possible. But if that doesn't work out, well, there's definitely a streaming service that will want to welcome Fang into the fold. It sounds like so much fun. It is so much fun and so much work. At the same time, like at the time, it's like you feel like you're having a heart attack, and the other half, it feels like you're getting married. It's you know, it's it's a crazy thing. That's a great way to describe it. Like you're uh, getting married, and like like it's one of the happiest moments of your life. That's a uh, I like that description. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, no, it's like getting married and having a stroke, like, simultaneously. (laughs) (laughs) Sneezing and shitting your pants at the same time. (laughs) So, man, as far as, like, social media or a website, where should people be going to check out uh, more about Fang and more about yourself? Well, the best uh, resource to find out more about Fang is the Fang Facebook page, which is titled Fang colon the movie. And that, that has a lot of, you know, great pictures from the production and different people writing about it. And, you know, I have some stuff from me reflecting on my experiences making the movie and then stuff from the actors as well. And the best place to find out more about me is my personal Facebook page, which is just Richard Bergen. And I'm in the process of, you know, getting a website, but I have so many different projects going on right now that it's not up and running yet. But I do plan on uh, getting that ready and uh, on the internet in the near future. Perfect. Awesome. Man. You're going to have to let us know. Uh, you said in November uh, you're planning a release, like a watch party. You have to let us know when that's happening. We Absolutely. No, I will let you guys know. I want, I want to have like a big, you know, online crowd for yeah. this. So it's going to be Absolutely. great. 
I want to watch the heck out of this film. It sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. and, um, I Thank just... you. And I hope you think it's a, a fantastic uh, movie when you watch it. <laughs> oh, somebody worked <laughs> on that one there. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Richard, thank you so much again for being here. And Jack, what well, have we got you. on the website, sir? Go to CandarePodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media. See some of our YouTube videos, buy some merch, become a patron. And if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And you can find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. And again, if you like what we're doing, patreon.com forward slash CandarePod. Or just go to our website, CandarePodcast.com, like Jack just said. Uh, not only is our Patreon link, there's a merch link. We have t-shirts, coffee mugs, all kinds of stuff. Jack, you think we can get beanies? Uh, they're not on the list. You can get an iPhone case or an Android case, though. I know it's totally different. I, want, uh, I, want I think they might be working on hats, though, but I'm not sure. It's going to get cold, man. Yeah, I need winter I know. headwear. I mean, if I'm putting a phone case on my head will not cut it. There's tank tops we could do. Again, that will not cut <laughs> it. the wrong way, man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go to the website, check out our merch. And uh, check out our Patreon page. $5 a month gets you bonus content. I'm getting ready to put up a, a Patreon episode right after we get off of here. That's uh, Randy had brought over some of his uh, dad's old uh, cassettes from the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah. And we sat around with a tape, re- or a tape player listening to them. Jack, I really feel like you and I have become Randy's parents like pop culture dumpster. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm fine with that. Give it to Randy. He'll get rid of it by those two schmucks that he was he's with all the time. You know how they love to root through other people's garbage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Randy and the Garbage Men. There we go. That'll be our band name. All right. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else, gentlemen? I think that's uh, it. Well, uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. This was great. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I hope everybody who's listening to this watches Fang and enjoys the hell out of it. Well, we're going to well, make sure worry, they see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. when it's when it's time, we're going to be pushing it. And uh, again, want to get you back Great. on when that happens. So just, yeah, keep us in the know. And until then, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And I'm Richard Bergen. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And always remember to be excellent to each other. to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on CandarePodcast.com. Shoot, it may even help him find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split. G.I. Joe! $2,000 reward. So pissed right now, I hope these sons of bitches get caught. Randy Hardenbrook doesn't deserve this. I hope you get everything back. 
Someone broke into his truck and they've taken a load of stuff that was in there, including his clothes and other things required for work. If anyone comes across any garage sales or Facebook posts selling any of it or or is offered any of the listed items, please let me know so I can message so you can message me. Discretion is assured. Reward has been offered for information leading to the recovery of these items. He works hard for this stuff and with this stuff. Please help him find them. Items stolen. One 18-inch light-up sparkle unicorn dildo. One <laughs> gimp gas mask. It has sequence finish. One large tune, tube of tuna-flavored lube. One cucumber. One signed photo of Troy Aikman. One, <laughs> Troy Aikman. one latex glove with novelty fingers. One rope. One bag of cable ties. One pair of nipple tassels. One roll of gaffer tape. One anal butt plug. Two pink fur-lined handcuffs, one paddle, one 36-inch, two-headed dildo, and one deluxe inflatable goat. Reward for any info. <laughs> what the fuck you into? Moral of the story, don't park your truck unlocked in a church parking lot. <clears throat> this has been a Canned Air production. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.